el Todos Hablamos McDonald's Deal. Porque cuando están decidiendo qué ordenar y la tía Carmen te dice... McNuggets, mijo, y una de las hamburguesas con esa salsita, ¿sabes? Ya tú sabes que eso significa una Big Mac. Y lo sabes porque tú también amas esa salsita. Hay un meal para cada cena familiar en McDonald's. Ordena por anticipado por el app de McDonald's y llévate dos de tus favoritos, como McNuggets de 10 piezas y una Big Mac por solo 6 dólares. Precios y participación pueden variar. Producto individual a precio regular. Coda has a new way to pay. Now you can use the Transit mobile app to plan, track, and pay for your Coda ride. For a limited time, everyone who creates a Coda account in the Transit app will get a $4.50 credit. What are you waiting for? Download the Transit app today. We read here in Isaiah 60 in verse 2 that darkness covers the earth. Deep darkness, the peoples. Or gross darkness, the peoples. And so there's a sense in which the enemy's purpose is clearly to cover the earth with darkness. That's his agenda. Very, very clear. His mission is very specific. And yet we know what God says is in the same part of that verse and, and even in the verse preceding, verse 1 and verse 2a, it's very clear. God says the purpose of his people is to shine forth his light in the midst of the darkness. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. And then what does he say? For behold. In other words, why do you need, why do we need as a church to arise and shine? Because darkness is covering the earth, and deep darkness the people. And the only way these people are going to come out of darkness is as a result or a direct consequence forth the light of God. So we see this kingdom conflict that is happening between the powers of darkness and the kingdom of God. And you know, as you look around in the world today, on the, on the world stage, naturally speaking, there's a great conflict in place. There's a contest, you know. Who's going to be the superpower of the world? Is it going to remain America? Will Russia reemerge as a superpower or is it going to be China? And when you look at this in the natural, we know that China is, is poised to actually become the next superpower in the world, at least economically. And uh, China is exerting great influence by developing partnerships with key nations. Some of these nations until recently have been strategic allies with the United States. China's investing in developing uh, the infrastructure uh, and businesses of different nations. If you go to the Philippines, you go to Manila, you see China everywhere. They are investing in the Philippines. They're investing in many other nations, particularly in Asia. China's leading the way in technological advancement. Most analysts believe that there's absolutely no doubt that China will replace the United States on the world's stage economically by the year 2050 at the latest. If you look at this graph that's in front of you, you see this is, the, this is what we see in 2010 uh, based on the gross, the GDP of these major powers, and then the shift in 2050. Currently, the United States, if you, you understand where they're at in terms of, it's amazing thing. But then you look at what's going to be like in 2050. China is going to be the most powerful economic nation in the world. In fact, of uh, the top five 
economic superpowers, there's only going to be one Western nation. Isn't that amazing? Only one Western nation. So the United States, they're saying, still will be poised to be second. Then India. Wow. Brazil. Then Russia. And then look at the UK, Japan, France, Germany, Italy, all diminishing in its influence and power. Now, when you look at this in the natural, we, our tendency is to, you know, especially if you're an American, your tendency is to not like this, right? I mean, who wants, right? We're the superpower. We're the greatest nation in the world, yada, yada, yada. And yet China is poised. I don't know. China's poised to become the greatest, the most powerful nation, at least economically, in, in not a long time from now, guys. Things are changing. We need to pray because China is a communist nation. That's the reality. There's still Christians are being persecuted. Things are happening. It's not necessarily a good thing, but that's the reality of what the world is looking like in the natural. But there, how do many know that we don't fight against flesh and blood. Ours is not a geopolitical struggle. We are not contending with, you know, superpowers in the natural, but we are contending with superpowers in the spirit. There is a kingdom called the kingdom of darkness that has every intention of superseding and overwhelming the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light. It's called the kingdom of darkness. And we've just read about this. God's desire is that we would arise and shine and that ultimately Habakkuk 2.14 says the earth will be filled with the knowledge or the awareness of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The mandate of the church, that's you, that's me, is to partner with the mind of God and with the Holy Spirit to arise and shine and release his glory so that those powers of darkness are actually drawn back, they're pushed back, and that the light of his glory would shine forth. And we see in certain nations of the world where this is happening. The kingdom of God is advancing in certain places in the world. When you look at what's happening, and I've given some statistics before, the major growth in Christianity is in the southern hemisphere. It's in South America, it's in Africa, and it's in Southeast Asia. This is where the, the growth of Christianity is happening. And it's a powerful thing, what is, what is going on in the world right now. They say that probably the place in the world per capita where more people are turning to Christ now than anywhere else is in Iran. Isn't that amazing? God is on the move. Things are happening. And when we look at the Western nations, not only are we losing economically and losing in terms of our political influence, but we're losing spiritually. We're losing ground. More and more people are, be, are turning away from God, are, and our church attendance has gone in decline for the most part. There's just a few exceptions in this is pretty much all of our Western nations. This is the reality of what we're facing, guys. And you may not like that. I don't like it, but it's truth. And things have to change. I said last week, Satan cast his vote. You belong. 
to me. The earth belongs to me. I'm going to cover it in darkness. God has cast his vote. He said, every soul is mine. The earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. But we have the deciding vote. We are the ones who are going to bring change and transformation so that the will of the Father will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We can't just sit back passively. We can't just, well, I, I wish God would do something. I wish God would intervene. No, he said, you arise, you shine. You're the light. You're the one who's going to drive back the darkness. You're the one who's going to open the eyes of those who are blinded by darkness. As you bring forth the light, as I bring forth the light of God's glory. The Apostle Paul's commission to ministry when he was Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus, when he encountered Jesus. One of the things that we read is found in Acts chapter 26, verse 18, that Jesus spoke to him and he said, Saul, I've called you and I've called you to preach to the Jews and to the Gentiles. And he says, for this explicit purpose, this express purpose to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Wow. What a call. What a responsibility that we have. But with that responsibility, right, becomes, with, we know that with great power it becomes there's also great responsibility. It's a privilege. It's a power. But there's great responsibility that God has given to us to see people turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, to be set free, to be healed, to be delivered. And what does that mean? We can only give what we have. Right? We can only give what we have. Right? It's Peter and John, when the beggar approached them, silver and gold, have we none? But such as we have, we give. We give to you. Such as we have, what do we have? We need to recognize what it is that God has given to us. And we need to be availing ourselves of that so that we can release what he says. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. His glory shall be seen upon you. His glory is in you and the new covenant. His glory is with us. We can release that glory. And when we look at the earth, what's happening? Wow. Dark days. You know, I just, I really like um, uh, pretty much every day, I'll, I'll just go on BBC and I'll just read the headlines of what's happening in one minute. Okay. And 200 plus rockets were fired from Gaza into Israel last night. Okay. So many people were killed in northern Nigeria yesterday. We, we read about all the other things that are happening, the political upheaval in Venezuela, all of the things that just, and you just look at this, everything that's happening in the world right now, it's crazy. It's absolutely out of control. And, and we, you know, and, and that's just, just a few uh, samples of what's really going on in our world. And we recognize that, guys, in the natural there's really not much that we can do to change things. You know, no matter how many terrorists there are in the world, no matter how many terrorists are destroyed, there's always going to be some more that are going to rise up. So we have to realize that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not natural. 
but they're mighty in God. They're spiritual for the pulling down of strongholds and for bringing everything that exalts itself against the, the knowledge of God, every high and lofty thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing it into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That's the message that we have. We have, Paul says, can you imagine? He's talking to the Corinthians, and they're giving him a hard time. There's some really um, obnoxious, proud people that are, that are rebelling and, and against Paul's authority as an apostle. And we don't know what Paul looked like in the natural, but history says he was not uh, really an intimidating person by any means. <laughs> he might have been short of stature. He wasn't certainly, you know, some big guy. But Paul spoke like a giant. He said, I've got weapons that can shut you up. <laughs> and just, just like he said, so you just better be careful who you're messing with right now. Because I've got this amazing array of weapons because I'm an apostle sent by God and God has given me power and authority to deal with every situation and to turn situations around and even turn the hearts of people around. And guys, we have an authority to deal with darkness. We have absolute authority to deal with darkness. And, and when I hear Christians talk about the devil's attacking me. The devil's making life difficult for me. And, and I had this terrible, demonic, you know, dream last night, nightmare or whatever. And I realize that happens. I'm not, I'm not discounting the, the legitimacy of that. But what I am saying is that when we know who we are in Christ and when we, we do that, we can break free from all this stuff. And then we can actually move into a point where the devil has nightmares about us. Right? Like Paul, when the seven sons of Sceva approached this, this, you know, I'm sorry, the seven sons of Sceva that, you know the story, right? They want to cast out demons out of this man and in the name of Jesus Christ whom Paul preaches. We adjure you, come out of this man. And they were like, Paul we know and Jesus we know, but who are you? Who are you? Paul we know. Can you imagine? They actually knew who Paul was because of what? The authority that he walked in, the damage, and then how he was wreaking havoc to the kingdom of darkness in the power of the Holy Spirit with the armor of God, with the weapons of warfare. He was destroying the powers of darkness and people were being in droves and great multitudes were being released from the power of darkness and coming into the kingdom of light and God. When he went to Ephesus and it says that the city was just so shaken by the power of God, the signs and wonders and the miracles and the multitudes came out and, and they actually began to burn up their witchcraft paraphernalia and they turned to God Oh, what an amazing example of the power of God. It reminds me of about 10 years ago when we were ministering in Jamaica. We went to a place in Jamaica called Port Moore. Port Moore is in the interior of Jamaica. Tourists never go there. In fact, you hardly ever will see a white person there. 
It's a very dangerous place. We stayed in a house where there are bars on every window, bars on every door, and they, the, the couple who lived in that home, they locked us in the house. They had to go out to the supermarket, and they locked us in the house and said, do not go outside if the house burns down. I said, you have a choice to make. You either burn down with the house or... Here's where the key's hidden, and you can go outside and risk being murdered. It's like, Jamaica's like one of the murder, like one of the highest murder capitals in the world. And, you know, the crazy thing about it is there's so many Christians there, Pentecostals. And I look at that, and, and I think, look, the crime, the violence... All that's going on, and yet there's so many Christians. And my experience, and is, and I thank God that it's. But my experience has been that in many of those places, and I thank God for the the work the church is doing, and how many people have come to know Christ, and and so on and so forth. But I recognize that many of the Christians there still don't understand their who they are in Christ and their authority. In a sense, they're very religious. They believe the word of God. They're God-fearing, they're reverent, and that's a good thing. It's very easy to reach those people, but very rarely do you see signs and wonders and miracles happening in their churches. And as we went there and we set up a tent and in this desolate part and people started coming, hundreds of people at first, and then people start, miracles started happening and the sick were being healed. And then I think it was on the th third night, uh, the second night, the pastor Someone called him on his, on his mobile phone and said, Pastor, we hear there's going to be so many people coming to the tent meeting tonight. You need to get a bigger tent. We need to prepare for it. So they went and they actually prepared and put up a bigger tent. And then I remember that night there was a woman who had what's called sickle cell anemia. As, as an African woman, her legs were twisted backwards in her hands and she wasn't able to walk and they carried her to the front of the tent. She was only about 21 years of age. They carried her to the front of the tent and we prayed for her and her legs literally that were twisted backwards like this straightened out and she began to dance in front of all these people that were there. And I can tell you, the last time I checked in, which was a few years ago, it had been over five or six years, and she was walking every day miles, and she was completely and instantly healed. Well, when people saw the miracle, they started coming out. Great multitudes, they started coming out. And then I remember the final night of what we call the tent crusade. I preached the gospel. The power of God fell. There was such a holy, awesome presence of God. And so many people were just convicted by the Spirit. There was a prophetic word that came forth that challenged everybody. And people ran to the front just crying out to God in repentance, crying out to God for salvation. And there were so many people that came to Christ. While... We were conducting that time of ministry there. I remember one night before we started, I was just off walking around and was praying. And the Lord showed me that passage in Acts chapter 19. And he said to me, look, tonight I'm going to do something powerful. What you read about in Ephesus where they came and they started bringing the paraphernalia and burning it and great multitudes turned to God. I, I want to do that here. I want to do it. And I believe that 
nothing has changed. The power of God is the same in Australia as it is in Jamaica, India, Africa, or anywhere else. And I look at this story that which we began to just drill down into last Sunday, the story of Elijah. It's found in 1 Kings 17 and 18. These were very dark days. This spiritual battle, this contest was at full force. Ahab, who would later be eulogized as the evilest king in Israel's history, was reigning with his wife Jezebel. Yet, in spite of how dark things were spiritually and morally, the Lord had not given up. It's amazing. He had not given up on his people. He had a plan. He had a, a counter-strategy. His plan was really a man. A man by the name of Elijah. And God is looking for great men, great women today. Those who will pay the price like Elijah did, like Paul, like Peter. Those who will so yield themselves to God that he can raise them up to make a difference. Can you imagine? Here is Elijah. He's in hiding. There's been a severe drought for three years. It's terrible. But then the word of the Lord comes to him afresh. Elijah, go and show yourself to Ahab, for I'm about to send rain. Elijah appears to Ahab, and what ends up happening is he tells Elijah the plan, uh, he tells Ahab the plan of the Lord. And he calls for the people of Israel to be gathered for a showdown, so to speak, where God was going to demonstrate him as the heavyweight champion of the world. God is greater than Baal. Yahweh is greater than Baal or any of your false gods. There's no doubt about it. He's just demonstrated to you these past three years that he's in charge of the weather. He's not, you know, because you understand that Asher and, and Baal and all these, they are linked to fertility. They were linked to, to the weather and the conditions of that. And so God is actually demonstrating clearly, no, 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 I'm in charge. I'm in charge. So let's gather the nation of Israel. Let's see which God is the most powerful. What we're going to do is we're going to build some altars. I'll build an altar for the Lord, for Yahweh. You build an altar for Baal. And what we'll do is we're going to call on the names of our God, but the God that answers by fire, he's God. And the children of Israel said, okay, sounds good. And at that point, because previously, remember, Elijah had said to them, how long will you waver? How long will you vacillate between two opinions? If Baal's God, serve him. But if the Lord is God, serve him. Make up your mind. Don't be double-minded. Who are you going to serve? And it actually states in the text that the people answered him not a word. Wow. Can you imagine the preaching of no less than the prophet, the great prophet Elijah, was not able to move them to repentance. We're in a time today, we're in our nation, preaching for the most part is no longer effective. People don't come to church, many people. They're not interested in coming to church. There's many people that have no desire to come to church. In fact, they mock the Bible. They mock 
what we believe. They mock God. They mock preachers. There was a time when a preacher was a respected person. No longer. And what has happened is we're in a time where we need the God that answers by fire. We need to see a demonstration of the power of the Lord once more. We desperately need to see miracles, signs and wonders that turn the heart of a generation back to God. You see, when the children of Israel called out to God, the priests of Baal called out to, sorry, to Baal, and nothing happened. There was no response, no answer. Then Elijah called on the name of the Lord. And he, he said something very powerfully just before the Lord answered him. He prayed a prayer that essentially what he said is, let it be known, let it be known in all Israel that you are God and that I am your servant and that you are turning the hearts of these people back to yourself again. And when he prayed that prayer, so simple, so succinct, but yet so powerful, the fire of God fell from the heavens. The fire of God consumed the sacrifice that was drenched with water, and it not only, it, it, it also dried up all the water in the trenches. And at that point, the people cried out and said, the Lord is God, the Lord is God. There was a demonstration of the power and the fire of God that resulted in a generation being awakened to a spiritual reality that they were oblivious to previously. There's a lot of really good people in our world. They're not God-haters. They're not necessarily evil people, but they're just blind, blinded. They, they don't understand the truth. They, they're oblivious to what we call the spirit realm, that there's, an, there's a nav, an afterlife. There's something beyond what we can touch, feel, taste, or see, or hear. They are not at all synced in with the spiritual realm, the realm of the kingdom of God. And, and God wants to change that. He wants to awaken them. He wants to open their eyes. And the way it's going to happen when you read the Bible, I don't care what your theological persuasion is or your denominational background. When you read the, the scriptures, you see irrefutable evidence of a God who not only, not only is, is spoken about by his people, but a God who reveals himself, a God who intervenes and, and disrupts even the plans of man at times to show himself as the God who is, is the one who answers by fire, who's the most powerful. <laughs> I remember when one of the first trips I took to East Africa was in Uganda. And when I was there one day, I met with a bunch of pastors and I was teaching and sharing. And uh, the city of Kampala is built on seven hills and you hear the call to prayer. 
for the Muslims. And, and uh, you know, there were some of the pastors and others that were with me from, from the Western nations were like, oh my gosh, that's so evil. And they were like, oh, that's just, they were just intimidated by this call to prayer. And, and I just said, what, what are you guys freaking out about? Come on, man. I mean, these are people that Jesus died for. These are people that he wants to reveal himself to. And, and I said, you watch this week. I said, we'll see many of them come to Christ through miracles. And as we preached in a stadium and, and there were thousands, uh, tens of thousands of people that came to hear the gospel, the testimony time after time were people that were healed. And, and, you know, there was one Muslim woman who had been beaten and thrown out of her house by her husband. And she was actually on her way to commit the very act of suicide. And as she walked by the, the soccer stadium where we were having this crusade in, in Kampala, Uganda, she heard the music and she was drawn and she came inside and she heard me preach the gospel that night and she gave her life to Jesus and she was baptized in water, shared her testimony of how the Lord went out of his way by his Holy Spirit to draw her to himself, one soul so precious in his eyes. And when I talked to the pastors and I said, how, what is it like living here? We see Islam and, and Christianity uh, coexisting and um, are many Christians turning to Islam. And, and they laughed and they said, hardly anyone is turning to Islam. All the Muslims are coming to Christ. And they said, why would it be any other way? We are the ones who have the power. We're the only one who has a, a risen savior. And they said, it doesn't concern us one bit. We're not. In any way upset about this, so many people are coming to Christ because of Jesus and his power. And when we connect to that power source, when we know him boldly, audaciously, audaciously, we know him as the God who answers by fire, and we put the very things that he says in his word on the line, so to speak, right? Think about Elijah. Showdown at the OK Corral. <laughs> Let's see who has the real power of God. Come on, guys. We need to be bold. Let's see who has the real power of God. Who has the authority? One of my friends from Singapore was ministering in Indonesia, and he was preaching the gospel in an area that's under Sharia law. And while he was preaching the gospel there, the word came out that what he was doing, and so they, they sent people to arrest him. And they ended up, they, he had to go into hiding with one of the other pastors and, and for, for a little while. But the word came out later on, and after he fled the country, and, you know, what was going on, he had to flee the country. So he went back to Singapore, and one night he was in his apartment praying, and the Lord spoke to him and said, why did you leave Indonesia? And it almost sounds like Elijah. Well, because Jezebel said she's going to kill me and I had to flee. And what ends up happening is he says, because, Lord, they were going to arrest me, they were going to put me in prison, I don't know what was going to happen, but I had to leave. And the Lord said, I never told you to leave. Go back. And he said, Lord, but the political leader, I don't know, he's a religious slash political leader, he has threatened that if I ever return, that he will arrest me. And the Lord said, go back and tell him I'm the God that answers by fire. 
Tell him that Jesus is Lord. Declare boldly that I am the living and the true God. And I will reveal myself to this man. So my friend, his name is Pastor William Chin. He went there. And as he stood before this man who heard that he was back in town, and the man began to threaten him, began to say all the things that he would do to him. And at that time, Pastor began to pray, and he just said, Lord, what do I do? Here I am. I've obeyed you. What do I do? And the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, ask him if he has a problem with his kidneys. So he said to this man, do you have a problem with your kidneys? Do you have kidney disease or something? And the man looked at him, and he was shocked, and he said, yes, I do. How did you know? And he said, because Jesus told me. And he waxed bolder, and he said to this man, he said, look, here's what we're going to do. He said, I want to ask you, if you will allow me to pray for you, and Jesus, in the name of Jesus, and Jesus Christ heals you, and you promise me, if that happens, you'll become a follower of Christ. And the man looked at him and he said, okay, but what happens if Jesus doesn't heal me? He said, I will denounce Christ, I will throw my Bible away, and I will become a Muslim. The man looked at him, smiled. You got a deal. Let's shake on it. At that very moment, Pastor Chin began to pray for this man. And as he began to just speak healing in the name of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit was released. Knock this man on the ground. We've seen it happen so many times in the Philippines and other places. Oh, you're just there. The, the mayor of the city got knocked on the ground and was healed, even though at first they wouldn't even let us come and preach. And he felt, and, and so this man who was opposed, who, who threatened Pastor William, was instantly healed. Instantly healed. And it ended up that the word got out, and he, they had to both go in hiding. So this pastor, as well as this leader, are in hiding. And they went in hiding for, for, I believe, two weeks. This man, who had previously threatened Pastor William, has now, is now one of the greatest evangelists in Indonesia. He started hundreds of churches, led thousands of people to Christ. There is a God who answers by fire. There is a God who has all power and all authority. And he's accessible only through Jesus Christ. No man can come to me, come to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. When we read this story and we see God show up and show off and demonstrate himself, as the ultimate power, as the true and living and only God. And we see the response of the people and how they cried out to God. And this nation that was totally godless and, and syncretistic in its worship and backslidden in heart and has turning back to God in mass. And we see this and we say, do it again, Lord. 
Do it again, Lord. And as Elisha cried out years later, and he said, where is the God of Elijah when the mantle fell upon him? That I recognize there's still a cry for that today. Where is the God of Elijah? But I also believe in the words of the late Leonard Ravenhill, there needs to be a cry in our heart that says, where are the Elijahs of God? Where are those who will take up that mantle, who will carry that power and reveal it to this generation? Hallelujah. 10 for $10 is back at Meijer. This week, buy 10 items, get the 11th free, and get it delivered right to your door with free home delivery on orders of $35 or more. Save on Progresso or Campbell's tomato or chicken noodle soup, Chex Mix, Green Giant frozen vegetables, or Meijer facial tissue. All 10 for $10, get the 11th free. Meijer is here to help you save more and spend less, and with 10 for $10, get the 11th free and free home delivery on orders of $35 or more. You can stock up on everything you need. Exclusions apply. See all the deals in the Meijer app.